there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Have you ever seen something with new eyes? It may take a little bit for you to understand exactly what I'm saying. What meaning do you take from that, Pat? Seeing something with new eyes. It goes to waking up for a moment and all of a sudden things don't, I'm not identified with something so much. Yeah, okay. That's, that's good and that's what I mean. And, but I also mean something else. You're a painter. You, you paint. Okay, well, have been in the past, and maybe you're not painting right now, but you're a painter. I mean, you will go back to it. You will pick up the brushes again. You will pull out the paper again. You will get the watercolors out, and you will paint again. You don't know when, but sometime you will, because you're a painter, because something inside of you wants to express that. But what is it that that something inside of you wants to express? Painters, people who draw, people who paint, people who sculpt, artists, see things very often in a very different way than people who don't paint or draw or sculpt. And that's what I mean by seeing things with new eyes. My wife is a painter and I paint as well. We'll often discuss something. We'll be sitting outside or sitting somewhere and she'll say, look at the light in that wine glass, in the wine in that wine glass. The sunlight will be shining through it. and It'll be reflecting onto the table, be casting a shadow onto the table. And if it's a red wine, the shadow will be a warm shadow. A lot of people have no idea. They don't see shadows. They don't see shadows as things. They don't see shadows as having value and form and shape. They don't. If you take a person who doesn't paint or who doesn't really draw and you say, well, draw this and you give them something with a shadow, they will nine out of ten times make the shadow almost completely opaque. It's just really a black blob to them. But to someone who looks with new eyes, they see colors in shadows. They see that shadows are either warm or cool. They see that shadows are not all the same value, that it has different weights at different parts, different values. It can be darker in some areas and very light in some areas and just barely a shadow in another area. And that all can happen within the shadow. Painters like shadows, I've noticed. Painters really like shadows because shadows bring life to something. Shadows tie things down. Shadows attach them to the ground often. They do a lot of things. They pop things out. So they're important and painters know that because they see generally with new eyes. To observe what we see is different from seeing. Anybody can see. But why I'm talking about artists is because they tend to observe what they see because they're going to try and render it. They're going to try and make a likeness of it. So they really spend their time observing it. They'll take their time with it. And not only that, because they have observed in the past, they know what to look for. And so they get good at it. They will see things that it will take other people a lot longer to see. They'll see it instantly. And it'll take someone else a lot longer to see it if they're not a trained observer. Our outer five senses are so inundated with data that we acquire filters to screen out the majority of incoming impressions. In a sense, it's almost like we're autistic. We can't handle 
the amount of input that's coming in through the five senses. So we set up these little psychological filters that just screen some of them out. That noise in the background that we don't want to hear, we just screen that out. That person, we screen that person out. That light, that light's too bright, we filter that light out. We just subdue everything to where we feel comfortable handling it. And so this is the reason that many people don't see. If you ask a child who has no training in art to paint or draw a tree, what you'll end up with is a green lollipop on a brown stick stuck in a green foreground, pretty much. That may vary a little bit, but essentially that's what it'll look like. Now, if you ask an older person who has never painted, who has never drawn, to do the same thing, their green lollipop <laughs> won't look much different. It'll just be this kind of blob of green, whatever represents a tree to them. It may have a little more shape than a lollipop. Then it may not be completely round. It may have a little shape, maybe a, a little fluffy on the edges. Then the trunk will spread out at the bottom, so it'll have like where the roots go into the green foreground. But pretty much, that's what they'll do. And if, the, if, you, if you give them crayons to color it, they'll color it in, and they may even put a little couple of red dots on the green blob at the top and say it's an apple tree or a peach tree or whatever. But essentially, that's what you get because we have a symbol. They won't look at a tree and then draw the tree. They have a symbol in their mind of what a tree looks like. Well, where did that come from? Well, it came from filtering out all those trees out there because, let's face it, all trees don't look alike. But we have in our mind a symbol for a tree, an idea of what a tree is. So when we talk about trees, that's what comes up for people. They're symbols, unless we get more specific and can reference some other symbol that they have. And so that's how we filter things out. We simply have this tree category. We have a human being category. Then we have a male category, a female category. We have an old person category and a young person category. But essentially we've got these categories and we just filter things out. And so everything is the same as everything else to us, except when it's not. When is it not? When we take the time to observe. When is that? Well, very rarely. The subconscious mind takes it all in all the time. It's funny to me that the subconscious mind is called the unconscious mind and that the conscious mind is called the conscious mind because the conscious mind is the mind that you are identified with. That's the mind that you're identified with now. That's the mind that you're using. And that's the mind that is filtering. The subconscious mind, supposedly the unconscious mind, that's not filtering anything. That's letting everything in. Every sensation on your body is being recorded by that. Every sensation. That means the 99% of the sensations that you are not aware of consciously right now, the, the, the so-called unconscious mind is recording every single one of them in minute detail. Plus every sound, every shadow, every movement, every word, every look, everything that is going on can come through the five senses, that the five senses can pick up its recording. It's like leaving a video recorder that can smell and taste and feel. It's like leaving it on 24-7. That's what the unconscious mind is doing. So all of that stuff is there. But because your conscious mind, the mind that you're identified with, is filtering that, you don't know that. So a lot of that stuff that gets in goes to places that have already been prepared for it. And then we find ourselves reacting in ways that we never thought, we were. what are we reacting to? And we don't know what we're reacting to. All of a sudden, we just feel a certain way. We feel negative or we feel threatened or we feel this or we feel that or we feel happy or we feel like we like this person. Well, why? Why am I attracted to that person? Well, why am I not attracted to that person? Well, because of all of these subconscious messages, all these unconscious messages that are going directly into the subconscious mind that are falling on all these old associations and like water seeks its own level. They're finding their own place where they go and they all go 
wherever they've got routes, wherever they've got little neuronic pathways that have already been established from your childhood and throughout your life. And so this is why we say we're machines, because this 90-some percent of this data that's coming in, we're not even aware of it, yet it's having an effect on us. The reason you're attracted to this person or that person and not attracted to this other person is because of things in your past, things in your childhood. There are things about that person's body language that remind you about a person's body language in your past who was very good to you and who took care of you and who you loved and who loved you. And so now you're attracted to that person whenever you find that person's body language in any other person. Anyway, that's just a small sliver of how the machine works. But we allow consciously very little to pass through this process of generalization that we use. And that's really what it is, this process of generalization. We generalize people, we generalize events, we generalize cars, we generalize everything so that it all can be manageable by the conscious mind, which isn't very alert because we're asleep. And so because we're asleep, the thing that is really awake is the unconscious mind. And the thing that is really asleep is the conscious mind. So we, of course, have everything turned upside down, as usual. Ironically, the unconscious mind is more conscious, while the so-called conscious mind is in this mechanical stupor that the work calls waking sleep. Now, I didn't really know that I saw things differently than other people for a long time. It took me a while, because I'd had art training from very early age in school, I was taught to observe, but I never really knew. I never really paid much attention to the fact that I was being taught to observe. Look at this, look at that. But I was. I was being taught to observe, and it became second nature. So now when I look at something, it doesn't take me very long to begin to observe it. It's, for example, Arthur's got a water bottle right under his chair there. And there is a shadow because the light is coming in through this window over here. There's a shadow that's going this way in the water bottle. But there's also a ray of light shining through that water bottle. And the water bottle acts like a magnifying glass and it actually magnifies that light. And that ray of light is right in the shadow. So on one side of the shadow, the back side of the shadow, it's very dark. And because it's on carpet, it's fuzzy and it has a bump in it, and then it has a little straight line. And then the shadow gets lighter and elongates and goes under Laurie's chair. And then there's this bright stab of light in the middle of that shadow, and it's almost like a line. And then as you come a little bit forward, there's another part of that shadow that is thinner and not as dark as the back side. So this is the, the front side of the shadow. And it fades out behind Laurie's chair and then picks up again behind the, the leg of her chair. Now, most people won't do that, what I just did. Most people won't sit and see something like that. You can be trained to do it. It's called observing. And an artist needs to observe if he's going to render what it is that he's observing. Now, he may like one thing more than another thing, and he may exaggerate that in his painting or his drawing. And that's fine. That's an artist's prerogative. He may want to express the light more than the shadow, but he understands that the light really isn't much of anything without the shadow, and the shadow isn't much of anything without the light. So the two are dependent upon one another. As I said, being a painter, I was taught how to observe what I see. But we don't all see the same level of detail when we look at a shadow. Clearly, the way I just explained that made you look. What is he talking about? I've never seen that before. To take in more impressions is to increase consciousness. I guess it would be fair to say that I am a little more conscious of shadows than most people. That means that I've increased my consciousness of shadows. Big deal. So what? So how does that help me? Well, it doesn't necessarily unless I'm painting or unless I'm enjoying shadows. And sometimes I can sit under a tree and sit for 10, 15 minutes just enjoying the shadows. 
shadow play as the wind moves the leaves in the tree and watch the shadow play on the ground. I like that. It's, it's a very enjoyable thing to me. It's beautiful. So I sometimes just sit and look at that. If you don't take in new impressions, you don't learn anything new. So you've learned something new this morning about shadows. You block yourself from adapting, from increasing your consciousness. Very few people do this deliberately, block themselves from adapting and increasing their consciousness. But it can become a habit. People can start to do it, and then it becomes a habit, and then they're stuck there. New impressions give you new force, which gives you new possibilities through an expanded consciousness. The more expanded your consciousness is, the more you can see in a shadow, the more you can see when you look at a person, the more conscious you are of whatever it is you're observing. The more conscious you are, the more impressions you're taking in. The more impressions you're taking in, the more alive you are, the more food you have. Nursing homes are full of people who are dying from a refusal to adapt to new circumstances. What do they try and do in nursing homes? They try to get these people interested in something. They don't like them to just sit in front of the television all day. They don't like them to just sit around all day. They like to get them involved in activities. Now, it didn't used to be this way. Back in the old days, they didn't care. They just let them vegetate to death. Now, though, nursing homes and retirement places are much different, and people understand a lot more about mental health. They understand a lot more about the body and activities and geriatrics when people get older and what they need and how to stimulate them. They bring pets in now so that they can have sessions petting a a cat or playing with a dog. They'll bring children in often to expose people to different impressions. It's a different world now, but still, nursing homes are still full of people who are dying from a refusal to adapt to new circumstances. Kerchief said, the number of dead people walking the street, if you really knew, is incredible. Well, it's not incredible to you if you've been looking around. If you've been looking, if you've been observing, if you've been observing yourself and observing other people, it's not incredible to you, the number of dead people walking around on the streets. It's not incredible at all. It's like, they're all dead. What's incredible is finding someone who's not. That's incredible. Finding someone who's a little bit awake I need someone who's a little bit aware. It's a remarkable thing. When we begin to observe ourselves, we notice we always do the same things. We always have the same attitudes. We always voice the same opinions. And we seem to always have the same prejudices. Have you noticed that about yourself? You get in this circumstance, somebody says, where are we going to eat? Where would you like to go to eat? You'll almost always come up with the same answers. When it comes time to what are you going to eat, you'll almost always come up with the same answer. What would you like to drink? When the waitress comes, what would you like to drink? You'll say the same thing that you said the last time you were there. Nine out of ten times. Unless something out there makes you do something else. You look across the table and you notice someone else has that. You go, oh, I think I'll try that for a change. But you didn't make a decision. You just were suggestible. Something else you saw suggested it, and so you did that. And we think that we're awake because we did that. No. We're still mechanical. We just haven't realized the depth of our mechanicality. But now we're beginning to. We must learn to see internally like an artist sees externally. Internal senses can be developed. And there are far more of them than there are external senses. You have internal senses that relate to external senses almost directly. You have an internal sense of taste, an internal sense of smell, an internal sense of sensation. You have an internal sense of sight. And you have an internal sense of hearing. To observe a shadow, external attention is needed. You have to look at it. You have to externally direct your attention to the shadow. You have to look at it. Then you have to ponder it. You have to look for things in it. What can I see in that? Can I see any color in that? Can I see anything at all that's either warm or cool? 
What is the shape? So you have to give your attention. To observe a shadow's shape, color, warmth, coolness requires directed external attention. Because let's face it, shadows are not that interesting. They're not going to hold your attention that long until you learn how to observe. Then you'll see the richness of that whole world and they will hold your attention longer. But in the beginning, it takes directed attention. The majority of people see thousands of shadows a day without observing them, maybe even millions. They may have a vague picture of them, but no clear impressions. Would you agree that you're average kind of person and you take shadows for granted? Well, who cares? What shadows? They're nothing. But Peter Pan, without his, he was just bereft. Remember that? He had to go back for it. It's the same with, with our inner life. People have this vague and confused idea about their inner life. Just in the same way that people vaguely notice shadows. And they're really, you know, let's face it, shadows are confusing. Who cares? You know, why does this shadow go this way and that shadow goes that way? Why, does this, why is the light coming from one direction but you have a shadow that goes this way and a shadow that goes that way? Why? Why does that happen? And people don't know. And they don't care, pretty much. Because it's all vague and confused for them. Because they don't observe it. Internally, we are the same way. Generally, we don't observe our inner life, though we are somewhat aware of it, as we are of shadows and birds and houses and trees and bees and things like that. I mean, we're aware of those things vaguely, but we don't ever stop to observe them. We see them kind of, categorically, symbolically. We see them in categories, and well, yeah, that's a bird. Unless you're a bird watcher, and then you've learned to observe birds, and then you've learned to say that this call, this sound is that bird, and, and this other sound is that bird, and this color is that bird, and when they do that, it means it's that bird. So if you've been trained to observe them, then it's different for you. You have a whole different world, a whole different world of impressions that can come in that you can choose from. You have a deeper, more expanded consciousness about birds or about trees, or about flowers, or about anything that you've ever specialized in and learned to observe beyond just seeing. Are you with me? Okay. Every once in a while I like to check, because I see your heads bobbing, but it reminds me of those little dogs in the luggage shelf of cars, you know, and they just kind of bob like that. I think maybe it's just on a spring. You may not really be there. So I have to check once in a while. Our vague awareness of inner life is proof that we can learn to focus inner attention on it and become increasingly aware. See, if you weren't aware of your inner life at all, you know, you'd be like a dog or a cat or a rock. They're not aware of their inner life. They have an inner life, but they're not particularly aware of it. And what are they aware of? Where's the next cookie coming from? How can I get that bird in my mouth? Or whatever. I don't know what a rock's conscious of. When will I be a diamond? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it'll be a few billion years, whatever. So we have a starting point inside and we have a starting point outside we have starting points inside and outside our starting point outside is you can look at a shadow you can look at a bird you can look at a tree you can look at a flower you can look at something and you can now begin to observe it in depth you can begin to direct your attention to that thing can't you i'm sure that since i've been talking about shadows you've been observing shadows in the room maybe not a lot but more than you have before that's directed attention Now this has entered your consciousness, this has entered your sphere of awareness, and now you can direct your attention. You can increase your consciousness about this. I don't know that you'll ever be able to look at shadows the same again. Hopefully not. And that's the encouraging thing about this. Now you have an inner point that you can direct your attention on because you are vaguely aware of your inner life. Not completely, but vaguely aware. And you're more aware of certain things, like negative emotions, than you are aware of other things like what kinds of impressions you're taking in and that you have some kind of choice about what kinds of impressions you take in. The work calls this internal organ of perception, the one I'm talking about developing, it calls it observing eye. 
and says that it leads to the development of other inner senses. We'll leave off the other inner senses for now, and we'll talk about observing eye. These inner senses can eventually lead us to become sensitive, or more sensitive, to higher centers and their messages to us. Now, as I've told you before, and as the work teaches, higher centers are fully developed and 100% turned on and sending us messages 24-7. Higher centers are constantly beaming messages to us just in the same way that the radio station that goes 24 hours is beaming out its radio signal 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. But you don't hear it because you don't have the radio on or because you don't have the radio tuned to that station. But it's going. It's broadcasting. Higher centers are like that. They're broadcasting 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, forever. And their signal strength is very, very strong. But we don't have the radio on, and we do have it on. We have it tuned to a different station. What stations do you think we like the most? Well, negative motions, yes, but the stations we like the most are the five senses. So for us, we're dialed into station five, radio station five. We are taking in all the impressions through the five senses, and we have very little time for anything internal. And when we do have some time for something internal, it's because something that came in through the five senses triggered it, tripped it, and it started to go. And then we become aware of this uncomfortable feeling or this negative emotion or this pattern of thoughts. Or maybe a song starts playing in our head because we heard it somewhere. Someone we walked by was singing this song and we heard the song and now we can't get it out of our head. We're in a loop because it triggered it and now we're in a loop and we don't have any control over what goes on in our heads. So we can't stop it. (laughs) Yes. But hey, we're fully conscious all the time and we can do anything we want. Just ask us, we'll tell you. When we begin to become sensitive to higher centers and their messages to us, we become less and less controlled by outer life, the outer life that's revealed to us through the five senses, and we begin to be motivated internally. This is an entirely different thing. Now we are motivated, we're moved from the outside. What moves us comes from the outer world through the five senses. Very little movement happens in us that's internal, that is established or stimulated from something internally. But some things are. We've been at this for years. So we are making this transition. So we can be moved from inside. We can be directed from inside. It is possible. But we know that it's very difficult because we still have all this static from the five senses and we still have all this activity that's being generated from the outside. We're being moved from the outside, which of course leads us to our next point. That's when we start to realize what it means to be worked from within rather than from outside. We start receiving impressions from both sides. So now we're receiving impressions from both sides. You receive impressions from the five senses, but it's very difficult for you to receive impressions from the five senses and receive impressions from inside at the same time. Very difficult because you have not really exercised your muscle of concentration to the point where you can put it where you want it. So what we work with for now is directed attention because we don't have any power of concentration, but we can direct our attention for a little while. Not long, but for a little while. And then if something happens to distract us, then we may forget about it for days or weeks or months or until someone reminds us again, whatever. Or we may think of it on our own. You never know. It could happen. You just don't know because we're not in charge of ourselves. The false personality is turned outwards and it must be gradually made passive so that we can hear internally. So what is it that keeps us from hearing internally? What is it that keeps us from hearing the higher centers? They're talking to us, they're broadcasting these messages to us all the time. Why can't we hear them? Well, because we're very, very close to a very big radio station. 
just over the border, and it doesn't have any of the rules that the FCC puts on the stations on this side of the border. Now, you know that there are radio stations in Mexico, which is, we're very close to the Mexican border, so the radio stations in Mexico that just blast You put your radio on seek and bam, it comes in and it's loud and clear because they're operating with way more watts than we're allowed to operate with because we have rules about radio interference and they don't have the same rules. Their government doesn't have the same rules. They don't have the same level of sophistication of communications. They don't have the proliferation of radio stations that we have, so they can afford to pump it up to whatever they want to pump it up to. We, on the other hand, are not allowed to do that because we're regulated by the Federal Communications Commission. What happens is the five senses are receiving these big power radio stations, and we're used to listening to that. So that just bleeds over everything that we'd want to listen to that's softer, it's quieter inside. And for us right now, the distance that we are psychologically from the higher centers is great, but the distance that we are psychologically from the five senses is almost non-existent. It's like being right on top of the radio transmitter. See, we're sitting right on top of the radio transmitter. So our chance of hearing anything other than that. So we've got to turn the power down on the five senses. We've got to turn the power down on the false personality, which is turned outwards through the five senses, and gradually make it passive so that we can begin to hear internally. If there was nothing to hear, there would be no work. There would be no esotericism. There would be no religion. But because there's something to hear... The entire world is filled with those things. We don't notice them. We take them all for granted, but they're there. And when we become aware, they're like shadows. Oh, I never knew that shadows could have color. Oh, I never knew that shadow could have light in it. And interestingly enough, that light that is in that shadow, the water bottle shadow that I was talking about, that light has a greenish-yellow tint to it and a little touch of orange. You know, but you could look at that. My, My guess is you could look at that for five minutes before you could start to see that because it's so washed out. It's not vibrant like what we're used to seeing for color, what we see first. We see the slowest colors first. The colors that are vibrating at the slowest frequency, those are the colors we see first. The colors that are vibrating at the highest frequency are the colors that we don't see first. We see the slowest thing first, which of course is going to be the red, and then the orange and yellow and like that. And as it moves up in frequency, we'll then begin to see it. But the ones that pop out at us are the ones that are vibrating the slowest. If there was nothing to hear inside, inner development would all be nonsense. It would be impossible because there would be nothing to hear. But because there is something to hear, inner development is possible. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, it says, Go and describe to John the things which you see and hear. Now, of course, he's talking about John the Baptist. The blind see, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor are given hope. And most people read that and they go, oh, well, yes, Jesus healed people and he raised people from the dead and blah, 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 blah. And they'll take it all in an outer way. And they'll miss the deeper significance of the internal message that is being delivered. It's much easier to see just the outer. But to see it in an internal way, to see it internally, to see that the blind see means that people who have been blind to their internal life begin to learn how to see. They have their eyes opened through this work. And they begin to see themselves. They begin to see what's actually there. They begin to see who they really are, what they're like, when they've been blind to that all along. The lame walk. Well, how lame are we internally? We can't get from here to there. But with a little help, we're healed, and the lame then begin to walk. We begin to get mobile inside so that we can move from one state to another state. And 
we can do it, maybe not quickly, but we can do it under our own power. I don't want to be negative anymore. I'm going to consciously begin to be grateful for what I have in this moment. And then we find ourselves in another state. We actually walked to another state internally. So the lame walked. The lepers are cleansed. Well, people, if you've looked inside at all, you know you're a leper. You know you're unclean. You know it. There's no question about it. It's hard to look at. I admit it. Lepers are hard to look at. They're hard to touch. They're hard to be around because you're afraid it's contagious and you're afraid you'll get like that and you don't want anything to do with it. They should all be put away in dark places where we don't ever have to look at them, where we don't ever have to see them. It's society's answers to leprosy. Well, our answer to internal leprosy is no different, is it? We want to shove it all away in the dark places where we never have to see it and where no one else will ever see it. But we don't want to see it either. The deaf hear. This is really what we're talking about. The ability to hear these messages from higher centers, but right now we're deaf to them. But the deaf can learn to hear. And the dead are raised up. Well, what does it mean, the dead are raised up? Remember what Gurdjieff said, the number of dead people walking the street, if you really knew, is incredible? Well, you were one of those people. <laughs> I mean, you still are sometimes, but you were one of those people, and there was nothing you had. You didn't know it, and there was nothing you could do about it. Now at least you know it. Now at least you're working on it. Now at least you have some awareness of it. And so you're not completely dead. So the dead have been raised up, haven't they? So you're really like a dead man walking. And actually being able to get into better states from time to time. Maybe not every time, but you can get yourself into a better state when you remember yourself and remember to do it. And finally, the poor are given hope. Well, who are the poor? Well, the poor are the people who have a poor internal life. They're not aware. And yet this message gives them hope. Look, you can become aware. If you can direct your attention externally, you can direct your attention internally. And if you can direct your attention, you can strengthen the muscle of concentration and you can begin to observe where you could not observe before. And by observing and raising your consciousness, by bringing in new impressions, you raise your level of being, you raise your consciousness, you will change your life from the inside out, which is the only way that life really changes. Life has to be changed from the inside out. You change it from the outside toward the inside, it won't work. This work aims at removing that which prevents us from seeing, from walking, from being clean, and from hearing. As we are, it would be pointless to get in touch with higher centers because we now ascribe everything to ourselves and it would only worsen our condition. If you could get in touch with higher centers right now, if you could hear everything they're telling you right now, it would go directly to your ego, directly to your false personality, and you'd be in a worse state than you're in now. We won't stop lying to ourselves until we can see for ourselves the truth of our condition. See, the main thing with us is we lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves about everything. Well, I'm not, not that bad. I had a good reason to do that. I'm not that bad. Well, I didn't really mean it. Well, I'm, I'm basically a good person. I mean, yes, I do bad things, but it's, other people make me. You know, it's the circumstances. I mean, what choice did I have? You, you have to. We have all that stuff. We lie to ourselves constantly. And we won't stop lying to ourselves. Just because someone says you lie to yourself, you're not going to stop lying to yourself. You're going to have to see for yourself what it costs you. When you see for yourself what it costs you, then you stop lying to yourself so much. Through self-observation and the resulting development of the inner senses, another world opens up to us. It's the world of shadows, the world that we haven't been able to see, the world that has been there and has been vibrant, it's been alive, it's been speaking to us all the time, but we were not aware of it. We did not have the consciousness to observe it. We did not know how to take in all of those extra impressions. A world to which we really belong. See, this inner world is the world to which we really belong. This outer world is not really ours. 
We're just sojourners here. This outer world is all changeable. The inner world is our real world. That's the world we really are supposed to be living in. That's the real world. This other world, this outside world that we see through the five senses, all that is is the shadows that are being cast by the reality of the inner world. All that out there is just shadows of what's real inside of you. Through impressions received from higher emotional and higher intellectual centers, the conscious circle of humanity speaks to us. Okay, so for some people, what is the conscious circle of humanity? It's like the Great White Brotherhood. What is that? I don't, want, I don't understand. Why do you have to talk like that? You know, this is work speak. You can have it any way you want it. Through your higher heart and your higher mind, God speaks to you. I have it that way. Why do you have to say that? I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I don't believe in God. I don't like to hear that. Okay, fine. Then for you, higher emotional and higher intellectual centers will bring you the message of the conscious circle of humanity. You happy now? No, I'm not happy because you're changing it all. Okay, fine. Then don't be happy. You know, enjoy your negative emotions. And most of all, be right. That's the important thing. Be right. Because if you're right, you never have to change anything. Only the people who are wrong are the ones who get to change things. Only the people who are flexible and open to something new, only those people are fit for this path. The rest of them, they spend their time looking back. They put their hand on the plowshare, but they spend their time looking back. And you remember what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back? She was supposedly turned to a pillar of salt. Of course, that's all allegorical, but everybody wants to make it, you know, this outer real thing. And I've been to Israel and I've seen Lot's wife. You know, I've seen the pillar of salt. Yeah, they're everywhere. It's just amazing the things that people come up with. Anything, because the false personality is, counterfeits everything. It counterfeits the truth. But the truth is internal. It's inner. And anything that you see outside that's true is a shadow of the internal reality. Try to remember that. Outer attention increases our awareness of outer objects in the same way that inner attention increases our awareness of inner objects. Thoughts and feelings are inner objects. Observed, their differences become apparent, as does their source. When you observe your thoughts and your feelings, their differences become obvious, just the same way that you can now see that light slashing through that shadow and that water bottle. Well, of course I can see it. It's been there all the time. Of course I see it. And now you can't remember a time when you couldn't see it. Because that's what happens when your awareness is increased. It goes back into the past and it reaches into the future. An increase in consciousness and an increase in awareness changes the past as well as the future. Not just the present. It changes everything. And this is the great power of this work. This power to reach into the past and heal the past. All that dumb stuff you did in the past can be healed now in the present through taking in new impressions, through consciousness, through expanding your awareness, through raising your level of being. You become a different order of being. You don't become a different person. You become a different order of being. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a different order of being. We're talking about going from the mineral kingdom to the plant kingdom. We're talking about going from the plant kingdom to the animal kingdom. We're talking about going from the animal kingdom to another kingdom. That's what we're talking about. A different order of being. What? Don't worry about it. You got a long way to go. You don't have to worry about that yet. What you need to concern yourself with now is taking in new impressions internally and externally. Externally helps you to take in new impressions internally. If you practice out there, it'll be easier to practice in here. We see that we have thoughts and feelings when we begin to observe them. The differences become apparent. We see that we have them, but what happens is we also see that we're not them. 
The difference between someone who can observe himself internally and someone who does not is that everyone, every, they're all aware of thoughts and feelings, many of them. They may not be aware of all their thoughts and feelings, but they're aware of many of them, maybe one out of a hundred or maybe one out of a thousand, I don't know. Maybe they're aware of one out of a thousand thoughts or feelings. But they don't know that they're not them. What we're beginning to see is we're not them. Well, yes, that's a thought, that's a feeling, but that's not me. I don't feel that, no, I don't think that. You, you catch yourself, you even catch yourself saying, well, I feel, you'll catch yourself, wait, just wait a second, that's a feeling, I don't feel that. It's just a feeling, it's just there. Well, I think, well, wait a second, I don't have to get behind that, I don't have to defend that, it's just a thought. I don't even know where it came, I don't even know whose thought it is. I have no idea how it got into my head. Well, it's your head, yes, that's true. Does every leaf that blew onto your property, if you own 20 acres, does every leaf that blew onto your property that didn't originate there, did you create that? No. Well, this is the same thing. Unobserved thoughts and feelings are us. And we remain in inner darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This path leads closer and closer to real eye, which we can't observe. This is the aim of self-observation, to bring us closer and closer to real eye. We gradually learn to separate from what is not I. When we become negative, we learn, this is not I. I don't have to do what it says. This is not I. If your feeling of I goes into a negative state, we take I as the negative state, speaking and acting from it. We're identified with it. Basically, we're screwed. Whatever we identify with has the power over us and makes us serve it. Whether it's outer or inner, it doesn't matter. It makes us serve it. As we are, we are captives of the outer with the door shut on our internal inheritance. And what keeps the door shut is our obnoxious adherence to calling what the five senses bring to us reality. It's not reality. It's the shadow world, and the internal world is the real world. Inner freedom starts with the development of observing eye. What we observe internally no longer has the power to compel us to be as we have been, to do as we have done in the past over and over again. Would you like to be free from being compelled to do what you've always done, to think what you've always thought, to have the same attitude you've always had? to feel what you've always felt. Would you like that? Then develop observing eye. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at solidrockvista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.